Baptist 21 is a pastor-led voice for Southern Baptists in the 21st century. The B21 podcast will discuss current issues in the SBC with Southern Baptist church leaders. To check out more resources, visit us at baptist21.com. Welcome to the Baptist 21 podcast. My name is Nate Aiken, and I am the director of Baptist 21 and also lead this podcast where we have conversations about what it means to be Baptist in the 21st century. Uh, we have with us a returning guest, Dr. Phil Newton. Uh, we're going to get an update on what he's doing in ministry. He's been on before to talk about elders. He's written numerous books, one of those uh, elders in congregational life. Uh, and so he has written a new book, and we're going to have conversations about that, but also just unique challenges for pastoral ministry, particularly for younger pastors uh, that's what the book book is focused on. Uh, and Phil is a gift in that area. Even before he started this podcast, he's been helping counsel, counsel me on some things. And so, Phil, thanks for coming back to be on. Good to be here, Nate. Always glad to be with you. So we're going to talk about your new book, but you have uh, recently sort of stepped away from senior pastor role, uh, which you can. I want to hear how long you were senior pastor and then talk about what you're doing now in ministry uh, as you kind of stepped away from Southwoods. Uh, yeah, this has been a, uh, an interesting uh, transition for me o- over the last months. Uh, in May, May the 15th, excuse me, I, I stepped down from uh, my senior pastor role at Southwoods Baptist in Memphis uh, Church I planted in 87. So I served there for 35 years, and I have been pastoring for 44 years, served on church staffs a couple of other years. So I'm I'm pushed kind of toward 50 years of uh, at least close to that in being on church staff and serving. And I've taken on a new role that I absolutely love, and that is with the Pillar Network, and I'm director of pastoral care and mentoring. So I have the joy of working with pastors, elders, staff members, churches, uh, some of that traveling, some of that conversations on the phone, some of that Zoom calls. I think I've done more Zoom calls in the last six months, uh, I know I've done far more than I have in uh, in all of my years. So it it, it has it, it's really been a delight to get to know guys and to see uh, not not just uh, in the U.S. but guys in other countries that the Lord is raising up, become part of the Pillar Network, and have that same focus, DNA, kingdom mindedness that that we see with with the three hundred and uh, plus uh, Pillar churches. So planting a church in 1987, that was before planting churches was cool. Uh, yeah, that that was in the the early days where the oddballs planted churches, I think. So I guess that's what I am. And uh, there there were um, there were a few folks that were talking about it. Most of them were coming out of the Fuller Seminary genre. Uh, a lot of emphasis on the uh, more of a sociological approach to church planting rather than the heavy biblical approach. And I I think one of those, I I remember going to a church planting conference in Atlanta and the guy that led it was, was a Baptist, not a Southern Baptist, but, but he he was a Baptist, I I think from somewhere out West. And he, at the time he was the guru uh, uh, as far as church planters uh, on what was happening. And I remember, you know, all these exciting things and talking about doing this and doing that. But then as I reflected on it, I realized didn't really talk about the gospel, didn't really talk about gospel centeredness, didn't really talk about the necessity of church planters. 
being pastors and being centered on word and spirit. Uh, instead, it, it was there were so many methodologies that were being uh, put forward, and that that was the climate. You know, you you had the saddleback with all the methodologies, and I you know I met with Rick Warren while I was studying at Fort Seminary and had conversations, and and he he was kind of leading the pack of uh, of everybody wanting to emulate. And and then as I as I got into it and planted, I kept coming back to that weekly exposition. And and that's what that's what turned me upside down and affected my my whole thinking about pastoral method, that your theology and your methodology have got to be in sync. If you don't, you're going to have some real problems. Yeah, it's great. I don't think we'd ever talked much about that. I've obviously heard uh, bits and pieces of that along the way. Uh, so you written now what would this be your fifth book uh fifth or six something like that a guy from a guy that's an alabama fan writing five or six books that's pretty impressive hey I, there's not many of us around i don't think <laughs> <laughs> so the next this this new one is going to be advice for pastors that are kind of new to the pastorate young pastors i want to talk specifically about the book in a minute but just before we jump in what do you, I mean, we've actually lamented even in just conversations with the Pillar Network that there's kind of a, the pool for guys to considering pastoral ministry has shrunk and like the pipelines are shrinking. Um, what do you think, why do you think that is one? And then also just for young pastors, what is what are the unique both, like when it comes to personally unique challenges, but also then just the unique challenges of the, you know, 2023 America. I'd love for you just to talk about some of that stuff before we jump into the book in particular. Yeah, I, th- I think one of the observations that I make uh, w- with the younger generation, there there's so many good things, positive things. But I, I think one of the, the problem areas is guys have this idealism. I mean, I had my idealisms, believe me. But this generation seems to have more focused idealism. I will pastor a church if and then then they have their line uh Okay, it's got to be in a certain area. Uh, it's got to. I've got to make a certain amount of money. I've got to have staff. I've got to have all this, and a lot of it's unrealistic. When when you plant a church, uh, at, to to use the phrase that you so often, you got to be willing to go to Mount Nebo number three, and uh, and learn the ropes of ministry. And I think there is an expectation that because. I have a seminary degree, and I'm articulate that I deserve to be able to uh, to pastor a large multi-staff church, and that's how it will start. And I think guys need to reel in and, and recognize that it, the Lord teaches you. And it, and it may be, you know, some guys walk into that kind of setting. I, I had a conversation with a pastor that I real, really enjoyed chatting with him, and he was, uh, he, he was, uh, he's close to my age, few few years younger. And he said that he has, a, a, you know, a number of young guys are wanting to jump in and they wanted his position and said, I told him, hey, why don't you go out and plant a church yourself like I did? Or why don't you go pastor a church and really learn what it is to be a pastor? So I think there are some guys, not all, because I, I see some other guys that are totally, totally different. But there are guys that that want to bypass that that rigorous training process where you're really learning what does it mean to shepherd the flock of God? 
They just want it dumped in their lap. Not every guy's like that. I've met so many guys that want to be mentored and trained. So I, I'm I'm not trying to broad brush everyone, but I and also I think it, you've got guys that are hearing some of the downsides and struggles that happen in churches that they they see some of their friends that have pastored and they've gotten fired mm-hmm. uh, or they they've gone through a lot of hardships and they've ended up quitting. And so I think that's affected them to some degree. So I, w- I would say just just a couple of words of advice. One, you've got to be willing to have something of an armadillo hide in, in, in pastoring. Right? And I remember telling a guy that when he got ordained years and years ago that, you know, you, you've got to have a tender heart. You, there's got to be gentleness, but you also have to have an armadillo hide because they're going to be people that be people that say stuff to you that, um, and they don't even think about it, but they say stuff that's harsh and it's cutting and demeaning, and they they may may not even mean it, uh, but but they do it. And and if you don't have a little bit of hide to you, you yeah. you're going to say forget this, and I'm going to give up. And then and then the second thing, I think the more guys can be mentored and shaped under. Uh, good pastors in healthy churches so yeah. that they have models. Cause uh, you know, there, there are guys coming out of seminary that have not been in healthy churches. I'd like me when I, when I graduated from seminary, I had not been, I, I saw one church moving in that direction when I was in college and we were seeing some extraordinary things happen, but I wouldn't say the church as a whole was healthy. There were segments of it that were, and that that helped me. It gave me a better vision of what I was doing. But a lot of guys don't even have a, a clear vision of what they're doing. So, you know, uh, develop tender heart, gentle spirit, but good thick skin to be able to handle things and be willing to be trained and learn that humility of of being a leader, being a a, a, a servant leader, a humble servant. You know, it it has been uh, obviously 2020 and, and on has been unique, uh, unique season and challenging for pastors. But talking with a group of guys, as we were talking about the shrinking pool the other day, uh, we also sort of lament, though, how many pastors are saying, you know, how tough the pastorate is. And indeed, it's, it's t- it is tough. It's hard. But also there seems to be a lack of also talking about the joys of pastoral ministry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're not painting a very good picture for young men to think, hey, this actually, yes, it's tough, as with anything in a fallen world. Uh, but it also there's a lot of joy that comes to to being yeah. able to to shepherd the flock that God has entrusted to us. Talk about that just a little bit. And then again, we'll talk specifically about the book. <clears throat> yeah. I, you know, think about how many passages we see in the Old Testament and New Testament that cause us to rejoice, to be thankful. So. Those those two qualities, I mean, we are to rejoice in the Lord. And so I think one of the big issues is we're we're trying to find our joy in the stuff we're doing. Well, you know, it's okay to be joyful in what you're doing and you're grateful for it, but our joy's got to be centered in Christ. So I, I think that's one area where, where we miss. And then uh, another thing, it's just taking the time to think about with gratitude the opportunity of what the Lord has given you. So I, I look back, the the first church I pastored was it was way out in the stick. I mean, it was way out in the sticks at the end of a gravel road. And 
there there were 40 people there, rain or shine, you're going to have the same 40 people there. No, nobody's moving into the community. People are trying to move out of the community. And so it wasn't this vibrant, exciting atmosphere you came in. Uh, but, you know, I was thankful because I was learning to shepherd people. I was learning to preach uh, twice every Sunday. And, you know, I'd not done that before. I'd preached a lot. But but being able to preach twice every Sunday, lead the people in uh, in praying, trying to disciple them, trying to raise up some leaders within that group. Mm. I'm so thankful for that time in, in that little church. And those folks put up with me and all of my all of my idiosyncrasies and my weaknesses. And they loved on me. And I, I look back on, uh, on that time. I was making one hundred and twenty dollars a week. And I mean, literally, I was making that. That's what that's what I was making, and and so we we were in poverty, and yet I was learning to trust the Lord. We were learning to. Here and I both were learning to really depend on the Lord, and to love people, and to see how God works, and to see that ministry is not about a status; it's about shepherding the people of God and doing that with gratitude. And so that that was such an important time for me. Yeah, love hearing that. Um, let's talk about the book. So the new book is it's called "Shepherding the Pastor: Help for the er- Help for the Early Years of Ministry." A um, couple things: one, somewhat of a unique format. Talk, talk to us about the format of it, and then also why you know why write the book. Yeah, the the book was written by uh, Rich Shadden and myself. Rich was a pastoral intern at Southwoods for two and a half, almost three years, and demonstrated wonderful preaching gifts, a, a gentle heart as a pastor, and and really longed, uh, Rich longed to do revitalization work. You know, there are guys wanting to do church planning. He wanted to revitalize the church. And so yeah. uh, he he came to me uh, during that time as a pastor intern and, and told me about that burden. And then, you know, we, we prayed. He got approached by this church that he's pastor now for uh, I think 11 years now, and he, he got approached. I knew about the church. I thought, oh, my goodness, this is going to be a challenge. And so I leveled with them. Yeah. Here are things that you can expect. And and one of the things that I told him that was it, it, it was kind of funny. I, I said, you're going to sit in your study six six months after you get there and say, what in the world have I done? And for Rich, it was about three months in. And he and he realized that. So we we continued the mentoring process. He would call me. We'd meet for lunch. He'd come to my study. I'd go to his. Uh, you know, we, we just kept meeting. We texted. We, you know, we emailed each other. I mean, there were all kinds of communication going on. And and some of it was just learning how do I put one foot in front of the next? How do I deal with this new crisis situation that's going on? Uh, how do I deal with a conflict that's going on? How do I take the steps to really develop leaders? And so what we've done is develop the book around uh, issues that arose in his life and ministry, which, which are common. I mean, they're they're common to probably most guys that are not only doing revitalization work, but also in some of the church planting work. Not, not everything, but but a lot of it. And so Rich would take an issue as in a, a power group. How, how do you do with that? He he had some folks that were 
that really were after his head and wanted to run him off. Uh, and, and so, uh, he, he would lay out the, the problem and then I would offer counsel to him on how or, or offer counsel on how I, I talked him through in those situations. Then he responds by giving, uh, how he handled whatever the situation does jour happen to be. And then, then I follow through with a plan of action. Okay. You're a pastor. You're in a situation where there's a power group. Right. What are the what are the things you need to think through on? What are the actions you need to take in dealing with that? And then we conclude with some uh, recommended reading. So uh, the the problem, how I counseled him, how he responded, uh, an action plan for other pastors who who might be in a similar boat, and then some uh, some recommended reading. And that's the format for each of the chapters. I, I think there are ten chapters in the book. Yeah. And so even though it's obviously the subtitle is for early years of ministry, I mean, this is this is going to be helpful information for pastors along the, yeah, how, how much experience they have. Um, you mentioned the power group. Give me two or three other themes, topics that you guys pick up on in the book. Uh, yeah, uh, one of them was uh, the, you know, the well-known book, Trellis and Vine by, uh, by Mark Fontaine. And, you know, a- excellent book. Well, one of them was, how do you how do you deal with with so many trellises and and rich it, it to me it's really hilarious where he he deals with about 20 trellises that he had in his church just things that were going on and you know this was a church that had about uh probably 75 people in attendance when when he got there most of them were were well into their senior years he he did 40 funeral over 40 funerals in the first three years. So this this was the church, and they had 88,000 square feet of building. I mean, massive, massive facility. They were they were going under uh, uh, financially uh, ten thousand dollars every month. I mean, this they they were just bleeding. The only reason they they were able to sustain was they had um, they had merged with the church, and that church had sold their building. And so they they had a, a little bit of a nest egg, but it was just draining. So he had um, he had counting him. There were four full time staff members in like, I think, three or four more part time staff members for a church with 75 people. So they they had all kinds of organizational uh, structures and they they weren't doing anything to help build disciples to help develop the mission of the church, to really lead the people in worship, to teach and train the people, the, the kind of vine work that you really want to see happen. And, and so how do you dismantle those without getting fired? Yeah. yeah. So we spent some time working through um, dealing with that. And then uh, another thing, which I, I thought was so important, was how do you transition the uh, the polity structure? Because it, this was a traditional SBC church that had uh, deacons and, and staff, and you were wondering, okay, who's really leading the church in it? And he actually had some really good men serving as deacons, but not real elder guys, as I recall. There may have been one, but but not, not really much in, in terms of elder leadership. So how do you transition this traditional church that was not accustomed to biblical exposition in the first place, 
and then not really accustomed to a a biblical church polity. And and so we talked through on the slow pace of doing that, teaching and training guys, discipling guys, mentoring guys toward that aim of of serving as elders. And I think it might have been year seven before they were able to really pull the trigger on that. And and the Lord raised up two men to serve as elders. They're still serving as elders in church. Now they're in year 11. And uh, and they're in the process of of seeing a couple more guys added to their, oh, their ship. That's great. Yeah, I, I, There's I, a lot. Yeah, I cannot wait to to pick up this book. This sounds this sounds great. Um, any just final thoughts on the book? Why somebody should pick it up? I mean, I think just hearing what you've talked about, there's yeah, lots of practical, um, yeah, practical things to chew on, and I'm sure just counsel it'll be really really helpful for young pastors. But any other thing, final advice for young pastors, and um, yeah, just tell us when the book comes out, and where we can find it. Yeah, the book comes out February the 13th, and it should be at most booksellers. New Growth Press did the book. Uh, Nine Marks put their imprint on it. Uh, so it will come out as as part of the, the Nine Marks broad genre of church books. I, I think one of the unique things about the book that, that Rich and I both want to encourage guys on is, one, you know, you, you may be getting mentored as you're going in into pastor ministry, and that's great. You need that. But you need to keep getting mentored. Yep. You, you need someone. And I think this is just as important. Old guys like me that have been pastoring for a long time need to make sure they're mentoring some guys that are that are in the ministry. So I, I think sometimes you have guys that are, you know, they've been pastoring 25 or 30 years. And maybe maybe at that point, they unfortunately don't have anyone in their church. They're mentoring toward yeah, being able to be be sent out, but there are guys in their community that they could put their arm around, take out to lunch, talk to them about ministry, listen to their their stories, offer some counsel, pray with them. So part of what we're doing, we're encouraging guys going through, young guys going through, whether you're pastoring two or three years, ten years, twenty years, have a mentor or mentors that will speak into your life, and then. If you're an older pastor, look for guys that you can reach out to and and serve. It just is so important. So I think that's part of the strength. What we're trying to do is model what does this relationship look like? You know, I didn't have any control over Rich and his ministry, uh, but I'm, I was one that, you know, prayed for him regularly, listened to him, knew his family, prayed for his wife and kids uh, every week. And and just trying to to love on him. And he knew it, that regardless of what time of day, what was going on, he could he could shoot me a note and and I would pick up the phone and talk with him. And that, you know, that that was just part of the process. So I Rich and I both want to encourage pastors of of every age be in mentoring relationships. And it doesn't have to be formal. It wasn't as though Rich and I met every two weeks or anything like that. But we have this wonderful ongoing open relationship where we we were willing to get together and and we just picked up wherever we left off. Love it. The book is Shepherding the Pastor, Help for the Early Years of Ministry, uh, Phil Newton, Rich Shadden, uh, New Growth Press, Feb- February 13th. And so uh, we'll we'll put out some links and stuff for our, from our social media as well um, for, for the book. And uh, Doc, thanks so much for your time. And uh, thanks for writing this book. 
Well, it was it really was a lot of fun to book to, to write the book. So, some books are a lot of hard work. I mean, this one took some hard work, sure. but it really was a lot of fun. There there was so much reflection going on for both of us, and it, and it made me dig deep and think about a lot of things in my um, you know four plus decades in ministry that I hadn't thought about in years, and ruminating on them, and just seeing the goodness of the Lord, and 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 seeing. The, the joy of it, even in the midst of hard times, seeing the joy of pastoral work. Amen. Well, thanks again, Doc, and thanks for listening to the Baptist 21 podcast. Thank you for listening to the Baptist 21 podcast. To learn more about us, visit us at our website, baptist21.com. Also, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with others. It would really help us out. If you ever have thoughts or ideas for future interviews, please reach out to us at our email, baptist21 at gmail.com. Again, thanks for listening to the podcast.